that makes turning around actually sound like the right decision. I hate turning around. Because usually I think I'm pretty confident I'm going the right way. Here's what I've learned. All of us, in some part in our lives, have our feet moving in the wrong direction. Because we are imperfect people. And here's what I know, the quickest way forward, if you are even headed slightly in the wrong direction, is to turn around, walk backwards, find the right path, and start walking forward by God's grace again. Literally, turning around is the best way to make progress for broken people in many cases. When Jesus first came to earth, his first sermon went like this. Repent, which means turn around. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. When Jesus comes near in your life, it becomes alarmingly clear. I have a little bit of turning around to do. In the next seven weeks, friends, um, I'm going to try in the messages here in this sanctuary to build uh, a little staircase that leads to a platform where you can be confident and sure and secure that your feet are on a good path. It's not going to turn you into a perfect person, I promise. It's just a way of describing what it feels like in our minds and in our hearts and hopefully in our feet to be walking a good way. I'm going to call this the steps of faith. And to help us remember the steps, that five-letter word faith, there's going to be one step that corresponds with each of the letters. All of these steps are going to have everything to do with uh, what God accomplishes except for today's step one, which has to do with our stuff. You follow all that so far? So there's going to be a significant word that goes with each of the five letters. Today is letter F, and letter F is for fallen. You might be thinking, fallen. I don't like falling. Anybody ever fallen off a ladder? Horrible, fallen off a bike? Just falling down the steps? Falling on ice? Like it's uncomfortable every single time. In this step one, uh, I'm gonna share this uncomfortable truth that spotlights that we all have a big problem. What is this problem? Is it that our politics are broken? It is a bigger problem than that. Is it that the climate is changing? It is a way bigger problem than anything with the weather or climate. Is it a lack of education, a lack of opportunity, an abuse of power or authority? It is not any of those things. It is the problem that we fall into that is the problem beneath all of the problems. The Bible says this in Romans 3, 23. There's no difference between Jew or Gentile. Pick any other group, men, women, old, young, Americans, Europeans. There's no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Here is the problem beneath all of the problems. It is sin or brokenness in the deep place of our spirit or our fallenness into sin. 
Now, some of us, when we hear that word sin, it's like a very churchy or Christian-y word. Doesn't sin just mean like the bad things that I do or the things like I shouldn't do that? Sin is way bigger than that. Sin with a capital S means the fact that all of us have this broken part in our spirit. Here is a deeper take on human brokenness from Ephesians chapter 2. This is what God's word said. As for you, and that's in the plural, as for everybody, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Does that sound like a big problem? You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now work in those who are disobedient, all of us. Is anybody off the hook? All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts. And like all the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Sin is the big problem in the universe, in the world, in the church, in your personal life. Uh, do you, if you were alive in the 90s, or if you're attuned to internet memes, perhaps you remember um, the old woman who had a walker. She was at home, and she fell. I'm not going to put a real picture up because that seemed mean. Uh, but this line, I've fallen and I can't get up. Do we remember this commercial? Everybody? Oh, I'm so happy. Right? I mean, it's an ad for a Metalert bracelet or, or necklace because this woman falls. She's living independently. Who knows? Maybe, God forbid, she's like broken a hip. She doesn't have the upper body strength because she was using her walker to push her up anymore. Like, she has a big problem. Right? Now, can you imagine if her neighbor or maybe a well-intentioned family member came over and they opened the door and she's like, thank God, I've fallen and I can't get up. And this family member or neighbor is like, Grandma, you just need to try a little harder. Like, I know you still got this. Just like use your biceps and like push down on the ground really hard and I know you, I'm so confident, I'm not even going to give you a hand. Wouldn't that be cruel? Because this woman has fallen and she is not getting up. What if you went to her and were like, I brought you this medical textbook about how human anatomy works, so you can read a couple chapters and then maybe you can figure out how you can... That would be cruel, would it not? because of the scope of the problem and the vulnerability of the person. The reason I bring this up, if you don't remember anything else from today, please hang on to like this image, because you are the granny. You are the grandma, and your problem is not that you're just on the ground or that you've broken something or you don't have upper body strength anymore. Your problem is sin, and God is holy. And there's no way for us with our warped, broken hearts to be able to be holy enough to enter into the presence of a perfect and holy God. We have fallen. You have fallen. And we cannot get up. Who's going to help us up? Now, 
this seems like an un-American idea. Like as a proud American, almost every problem in life, I believe, can be solved by hard work, willpower, education, perseverance, more perseverance, failing, 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 and then trying again, and then finally getting it. That has worked for me when I'm patient enough in almost every area of life. I believe in that, in your schoolwork, in your sports, in your musical practice. But when it comes to the biggest problem, the most fundamental problem, no amount of hard work, no amount of education, no amount of perseverance is going to heal your broken heart or heal your fallenness just like grandma needs somebody to show up in an ambulance to help her up and care for her. We need somebody from the outside to come and pick us up, dust us off, and put some strength back into us. Uh, I've mentioned a few times at this point that uh, during sabbatical time this year, I had the opportunity to spend some time in the country of Turkey um, if you remember your international news on February 6, 2023, there was a huge earthquake in eastern Turkey this year. My sister who lives there has been to the earthquake zone multiple times in being there myself and hearing from people. I mean, this is just like one city block. This is what it looked like the, the day of the earthquake. In the New York Times, I think a figure of possibly north of 50,000 fatalities was reported. 50,000. But in Turkey, everybody knows that more than 300,000 cell phones disappeared that day and have never come back. Like more than 300,000 people. When my sister has been there, what becomes abundantly obvious is that everybody is hurting and bleeding out and does not have the resources to help themselves any longer. And step one, if you're gonna be in an earthquake zone and try to help, is just to have compassion on everybody because everybody has been through it. Can you hear that and feel that? Like imagine the millions and millions of people that live through this. Everybody has lost somebody. Everybody has had their life upended. It's not the time to ask questions about who you voted for or what neighborhood you lived on. It's just time for other human beings to have compassion on everybody, starting with the kids. We are living in a time of human history where we cannot see the earthquake rubble like this picture but many of us feel as though the ground beneath our collective human feet is shaking and trembling and that there are things going on where the world is being shaken and the foundations are insecure. There's a lot of nodding in the sanctuary right now, especially from those of us who have lived more than a few decades. So here's the thing, when the earth is shaking, the godly thing to do is to have compassion and soft eyes of compassion on everybody because every kid, man, and woman you come across these days, whether they know it or not, is living through a shaking. Think of this from God's perspective. 
I mean, my sister came in as a Westerner, as somebody who lives in Turkey. Um, she did not live through the earthquake. It was her job to be first in line to show compassion. And because she was kind of outside the events, she could in a unique way. When God looks upon the people that he loves so much and sees us insecure and shaking and hurting, the heart of God's reaction toward us is to see us with eyes of compassion, people who can hardly find level ground, people who are experiencing dust and ashes. And sometimes the earthquakes we experience come from outside of us. And because we have our own broken hearts, sometimes we can manufacture our own mini tremors because of what we do or say or come up with. So there are earthquakes. Our human condition is that we have fallen and can't get up. You may be rightly asking, I didn't want to be this way. Like, did it have to be this way? I don't remember choosing to follow a broken road. Like, babies are so cute and innocent. Like, maybe if we just trained them better, like, couldn't we get out of this somehow? No, in fact. No. Because sin is such a comprehensive and global problem, every person that is born into this world is already touched and tainted and corrupted by sin. I didn't sign up for this when I came into the world, right? My mom didn't sign up for it. Her mom didn't sign up for it. It is part of our shared condition. Does that seem fair? that we are touched and tainted and corrupted by something so far beyond ourselves. How did it happen? Again, this is what the scripture says. I'm reading from Genesis chapter 3 at this point. Genesis, the book that shines a light on how things came to be in the universe. Now there was a serpent. This is in the Garden of Eden. Everything is perfect beautiful and harmonious, working the way it's supposed to be. The serpent was more crafty than any of the white animals that the Lord God had made. And the serpent said to the woman, would you be the voice of evil, please? Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And then the woman said to the serpent and girls and ladies, if you would read the words in green, we may pretty clear direction from God, right? Everything's beautiful in this world, but this one tree. Please, people, take my word from it. Don't touch it. Don't eat it. Exercise that bit of discipline and obedience and self-control, and we will be in paradise together. But then the serpent said to the woman, if you would again, you will not certainly die for God knows that when you eat from it, 
your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. What happens when you disobey? Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. This is the beginning of the fallen consequence that all of us experience to this very day. I mean, it doesn't sound so bad. Their eyes were open. Sometimes it's good to have open eyes. But before this, all they could see was the goodness of God. And now they saw what the path of disobedience was like and could not help from being attracted to it. They didn't even know they were naked, vulnerable, insecure because the provision of God, the love of God, the goodness of God was the water in which they swam, the air which they breathed. It was all there was. But sin has brought in vulnerability, harm, sickness, pain of every shape, kind, and flavor. And it traces back to this moment. Genesis demonstrates to us, tries to explain to us why the world is how it is, We are the heirs, the children of a universe that has been tainted by sin, and we just can't get away from it. We are fallen and can't get up. This does not mean that all of us as fallen human beings are just doing as many horrible, heinous, and lousy things as we can around the clock. That is not what being fallen means. But being fallen does mean that even our best stuff, even at our best moments, we can never dodge the pollution and the shadow of sin. I mean, I'm offering a sermon this morning, right? Seems like a holy thing to do, but because I'm a guy, there's at least part of my brain that's like, oh, I hope people like this. That is not a good part of me. That is like a sinful, broken part of me that even after years and years of doing this, I have not yet shaken Right? When we're little kids, we tend to idealize grown-ups. Right? We look up maybe at our mom or our dad and grandparents and we think, wow, those older people, they're good at their jobs, they're married, they can vote, they know how to drive cars, they know how to buy plane tickets, just grown-ups know everything. I thought this when I was five. Right? And by the time I was eight, I probably had realized like, oh my friends, parents, like, scream at each other all the time. Like, my dad doesn't really like his job. I saw him crying in front of the TV when President Nixon resigned from, like, presidents are, can be bad people too? Who would have guessed? Did you have this moment as a child when you, the people you idealized or thought had their act all together were just painfully revealed to be broken? I'm sorry if you're a six-year-old sitting here today, but like all of us are broken. And as it turns out, the older you get and the more self-insight you have, the more disappointed you are 
with your own stuff and self. And maybe like the heinousness of what you're doing is actually improving, but your insight into the motives behind your heinousness is just increasing all the time. I talked to a priest once who listened to the confessions of nuns, of sisters, and he said it was like being stoned to death with the smallest of pebbles, right? Because these sisters were super holy, but they were broken inside at the small things that they knew were still selfish and disappointed the heart of God. When my kids were younger, um, we would tell them bedtime stories, usually read them bedtime stories, and at least once a week, I would try to tell them a story about a bad thing I had done when I was their age. I don't know if this was a good strategy or not, right? But I wanted them to know from a very young age that we were not perfect parents and that we were going to mess up. So I told my kids about this one time that I organized a group of friends and we called like seven different takeout places and had them all show up at this girl's house that I liked on the same evening. And we camped out in a field and just watched and laughed. That was my idea. Isn't that horrible? What kind of sick young mind would do that? It was pretty good administration. I mean, I coordinated the whole thing. No. There was one time there was this kid in high school who was frustrating me, and he made a friend of mine angry, and we hatched a plan to like leaf his yard, you know, like bags of leaves. We collected all these bags of leaves around the neighborhood, and then when we got to his house, I was like, I'm so mad at this guy, we're gonna one-up it. And I noticed that his car doors were open, and we put all the leaves inside his car. I told my kids that because I'm a horrible person. You're laughing, but these are not even on like the top 100 list of bad things that I've done. <laughs> so it's good to laugh at how lousy we can be. And then sometimes it's good to mourn at how lousy we can be. Because like the same heart that did those things when I was a kid, that heart still beats inside me today. I don't think I've done anything super unkind or vengeful lately, but there's a little voice in my head that is still there. And until I walk across the threshold from this broken world and this broken body into real life in God's presence, I am going to be haunted. So step one in the pathway of faith, friends, is to say honestly in God's presence and with yourself, and quite frankly this morning in the company of other Christian believers, that I too am fallen. I might have driven here in an awesome car that I've been dreaming about. I might be going home to my dream house I might be the epitome of fashion here this morning, but I am a fallen, broken person if you scratch just beneath the surface. This step of faith is essential to open a window inside us so that the goodness and love and power and mercy of God can rush inside of our lives like a powerful wind God doesn't ask us to do much, but we do have to acknowledge reality 
that we are imperfect and sinful and fallen and broken so that he can begin to have his way with us. So we're going to end the service simply with an opportunity, um, an extended moment for you in God's presence, for you to admit, confess, acknowledge in God's presence that you too are a broken, broken person who absolutely has fallen and can't push themselves up into holiness, righteousness, joy, peace, love without Jesus' power doing that for you. So we're going to play a song. Um, It's going to go for like six minutes. Um, So if there is a way for you to acknowledge this, maybe at some point you just want to stand up and raise your hand to heaven to show God I'm broken. Have mercy on me too. Um, Maybe you want to come forward and kneel like the lady who couldn't get up herself. Um, If you have a piece of paper, maybe you want to tear it in half and just offer it as a sign that this is you. This is the state of your spirit. But there's not many moments, friends, where we are in a sanctuary with the presence of God to really say what's what. And this is essential for us. So between you and the Lord, um, God, with your Holy Spirit, um, commune with us, inspire us in this moment, give us the freedom to acknowledge what is real and flawed and sinful and broken. In Jesus' name and for his sake.